Hello and welcome to another edition of Inside the Borough, the podcast for and by Owls fans, presented by FU Owls Nest. Hey, it's just me, your boy Jack Wooden, and Shane Marinelli on the pod today. Dan is feeling under the weather, so Dan, we really hope you, you get well soon. That way we can see you at the Boca Bowl, my friend. Here's the situation, guys. We're going to dive right into this because it is a busy, busy week. We're recording this on Wednesday. Wednesday is early National Signing Day. Shane has been up since probably 5 a.m. I doubt he even got sleep last night. Uh, talking to coaches, recruits, uh, anyone, so he can figure out what's going to be happening today. Uh, Shane, real quick, before we talk about the Boca Bowl, what do you think about early signing day today? Any big surprises or any names that Owl fans should be really excited for? Uh, today was actually one of the more quiet signing days. I think the biggest storyline of the day is there kind of wasn't any storylines, which in recruiting, you always think, yeah, you want a ton of juice, you want a ton of drama, and you want guys committing and all this action. But I think the fact that we're able to keep most of our class uh, is kind of the storyline of the day. You know, uh, we only had a couple of decommitments. Now, we're recording this at almost five o'clock on signing day itself. So there's still some left up in the air. We'll know what the status is with Frank Gore Jr. tomorrow morning. Obviously, we lost Anthony Romp, which was tough. But I said a couple weeks ago, people have been reco- re- recovering recruiting for months and months. A lot of times when there's a coaching change, there's always a quarterback change to come with it. You saw this at Ole Miss. Lane went to Ole Miss. Their quarterback decommitted. You know, it's. You only take one quarterback a year, which I think you have to take a quarterback every year. I saw someone talking about, oh, we could skip a QB this year. We can't. We need a quarterback, okay? You need a good quarterback. Too many transfer out. Once you think you have a lot of quarterbacks, you look up one day and one isn't good and two transfer out. Now you have none. So you always take quarterback every year. But um, if it's not a fit, don't force it. So, you know, it could have been a mutual thing. Romp visited over the weekend. I'm sure he had a conversation with Taggart. Uh, I think this also maybe is kind of giving people some insight into what's happening with the staff. Romp had a close relationship with Charlie Weiss Jr. You know, if I'm just speculating, but if he was going to stay, he would probably want his quarterback that he recruited back in June um, when Romp committed. So, you know, that's kind of the biggest storyline. Uh, tomorrow, I guess, we'll just talk about the rest of the drama, Frank Gore Jr. Uh, again, this is one of those things, who knows what side it is. Uh, I think I pointed out on the forum that FAU, if you include James Meeks, who gray-shirted, who we're still not 100% sure if he's going to make it on campus or hasn't been any official announcement. I got something saying he was, but there's nothing official we will have nine scholarship running backs going into the spring. That is a lot. That is more than most teams carry, okay? Uh, and only two of them will graduate after next year in P.J. Emmons and James Charles. You got to think. Larry McCammon uh, yeah, was a true freshman this year. Clover Cook, who redshirted. Calvin Dean, we know about him. Tyreek Tisdale, who we felt has been here since – the Schnellenberger dates is only a red shirt sophomore. So, uh, you know, there's still, there's still a lot of running backs to be had. And I think there's a little bit of issue of what happened last year when we 
took all those risks on signing days with guys with grades. And we said out of, okay, whatever 12 players we have, we hope six make grade wise. And then we got six good players that worked out. But the problem is, is they were all at running back. Okay. And we only took two, we only ended up with three receivers last year. Uh, Adrian Bryant was a Juco and only two high school receivers last year. That's, and one's coming back from an ACL injury. So could Frank or junior be an issue of just numbers on a roster? You know, why have four scholarship running backs who don't even play when you need it, those scholarships to other positions? You have to remember, you can only take 25 players a year. Freshmen, transfers, all of it. You can only, you can lose 100. 100 guys can transfer out. You can only take in 25. It's kind of a weird rule right now in college football. So it, it could just be a numbers game. It's, it's interesting. I mean, we didn't even mention Malcolm Davidson, who's, who's a sophomore as well. So it, it, the numbers are junior back. next year. Yeah. 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 We saw two so, more years of Malcolm Davidson. The, so the numbers are there at the running back position, but they're not there at receiver. Uh, Cozart's going to be leaving after this year. This is last year. Pico Harrison is gone. Obviously, we all know about Harrison Bryant. Uh, thank God that John Rain got an extra year. And, and you saw that today. You didn't see us go after a quarterback. You didn't see it or, or scramble to find a new quarterback once Romf decommitted. Uh, you didn't see us go after a tight end or a running back. We went after the holes that we need to fill now. Offensive line, defensive line, and receiver. Uh, so for me, my biggest story is, is how we filled the gaps in our roster once that turnover happens after the Boca Bowl. So Yanez Rogers uh, is a wide receiver transfer from University of Cincinnati, uh, originally from Broward County. So a bit of a surprise to see him come through via the transfer portal uh, on early signing day, but it's definitely a pleasant surprise because wide receiver is probably the biggest need we have after the defensive line. Um, that being said, you know, defensive line reloaded. Uh, Travis Lockhart looks really good. Uh, Marlon, I, I, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce his last name. Shane, you're going to have to help me out. The, the kid from Mariota, uh, Georgia. Uh, Crockett. Kukro. Yep. I was not even close. That's embarrassing. Uh, and Alvin Dempsey, uh, Juco product. Uh, these are guys that are big enough to compete right away. Uh, so it's really good to see that whether it was Lane Kiffin or the current staff and Willie Taggart, because we, we saw Willie talk to Alvin Dempsey, uh, try and, and fill the holes that we have for next year. That, that's really good to see. Um, when it was worrisome when Lane left and, and, and some other assistants left with him, uh, whether or not we'd be able to fill those gaps. So Yeah, it, I will say this, though. And there's some issues, you know, right now people have pointed out, and if Gore isn't there tomorrow, we'll have right now only two receivers, no tight ends, no quarterback, um, and need outside corner help, right? The good news is those are the positions probably most available left after the first signing day period, okay? Uh, you don't want to walk into the February signing day needing offense alignment and defense alignment, okay? Those are much harder because the bigger schools are coming in. Uh, everyone reaches for those kids at the end. To get players like Decarius Hawthorne, um, I'm going to tell you this, Andre Lamas is going to be a stud here. 
wherever he plays along that offensive line, guard, center. You know, we got the kid from Columbus last year who uh, Jake Elman, shout out, talked to him, was talking about Federico Mangris, who's just blown up. I saw him there, you know, you know well-coached offensive line there. That kid's going to come here and be a three, four-year starter. All right. Malik Jones, who's going to sign in February. He's wrestling right now. Um, he's a state championship wrestler. He's all in on FAU. Uh, so to kind of get those trenches players is much more important than trying to fill that on the back end with seal position players. Okay. You can, we can, I don't want to say dig up or skill position players, but in February and stuff, we can go flip kids from other G5 schools, from uh, kids without having a, you know, that maybe you're just kind of hanging off on a power five school that might want to flip someone late. So it's a little bit more comforting. We're in that situation needing skill positions other than guys in the trenches. And, and it's Florida, you know, there's a plethora of skill position players here. There's never going to be shortage of skill position players here, including uh, fast and athletic defensive backs as well. Uh, it's great to see uh, Andre Lamas, like you said, from Columbus High School in Miami. Kid could be the next Brendan Walton. Uh, Brendan Walton played almost his entire time here at FAU, originally from Largo, Florida, uh, right here in the Bay Area. So uh, really proud of him. Uh, so just overall, just a, a decent day. We filled the holes that we needed to fill, um, and it, it could have been much worse. So, <laughs> so, so how about that? I mean, you guys got to think about it. With, with a, a huge coaching change, uh, with a bowl game coming up as well, distracting the coaching staff, uh, all, all in all, good job of keeping this class together. Yeah, it was, it was, like I said, no drama, but it leans on the good side of no drama. Just kind of. Everyone got their signatures in in the morning. Boom, we got it. Now let's go get 12, another 12, 13 players uh, for February. Let's go flip some kids. Let's go find some kids, you know. So uh, I think we're in a good position now. And, and Shane, it's, it's, you know, it's interesting because we're even seeing programs near FAU geographically uh, that don't have coaching changes and are playing a bowl game later than we are on Saturday struggling. And I'm talking about that, that school down in uh, Coral Gables, uh, who you've been talking – Shane, we, we talked about it earlier before we started recording. They got their butts kicked to them. So just – And their it, class is still really good. It was it's 20 good, but, but they flipped. But it's, you know, it's still alarming what happened to them today, don't you think? Well, I think there's a bigger thing here, and without getting too deep, you know, make the podcast you know, crazy, I think there's an element with South Florida kids. I know, and there's been some discussion on the board about Willie Taggart really wanting to be homegrown. Here's the thing with South Florida kids. It's, they have a ton of offers, okay? Most of my Northwestern went out of state today, okay? Um, if you go look at the 2019 class, uh, I think 15 of the top 20 kids in the state of Florida all went out of state. And that has trickled out effect to G5 as well. So, you know, my thing for FAU and their recruiting philosophy is go find kids wherever you can, whether that's Georgia, Alabama. Don't force a kid. Uh, don't force take a kid down, from down here just because he's down here. And it's cool to say we got a kid from the 561 or 954 or 305. So 
you know, we'll kind of see how that plays out in the next few weeks because this next set, these next 13 kids, these are going to be Taggart kids. These are going to be kids that Taggart and his new staff identified. This was, let's just get lanes in so we have less holes to fill in a few weeks. So we're really going to see how that philosophy comes together. Uh, I hope they, you know, I'm all about making your recruiting board as big as possible. One college football coach told me you need to make 80 offers to get one kid. Okay. So, you know, make that board as big as possible, especially when you're at FAU. Make it as big as possible and then show them the Schmidt complex because that's all the talking that needs to be done. Woo! I walked around that place and I'm sorry, I wasn't legally allowed to share pictures yet. I saw that. Oh my God. FAU is in the big leagues. I mean, just for students, not even just athletics for students in the classroom world. Uh, like, I got a real sneak peek at kind of the Hall of Fame. Remember, the, uh, what's his name, donated all that baseball merchandise. That's the most unique thing probably in a college football. It's going to bring people to campus. The center with the TVs, the weight room is, I mean, it's two Oxleys. The weight room itself is two Oxleys. So it is, let's just see what happens when recruits start walking through there and word gets out. I hope every media uh, outlet covers that thing when it opens in a few weeks, you know, they're still putting the finishing touches on it. Every room we walked in had a guy in there running wires or, you know, or adding the logos, kind of your last minute, uh, you know, cross your T's and dot your I's type uh, work on that center. But amazing. It it was, you wanted to cry walking through it as an FAU fan. It felt like, wow, we're in the big leagues now. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. So it, really excited to see that open up. Um, but something else that can help Taggart's recruiting class in the spring is going to be this bowl game. Uh, we're playing SMU, who's going to be going into the Boca Bowl 10-2, their first 10-win season in a while, guys. Uh, bringing in one of the most high-powered offenses uh, to Boca Raton. And this is – we've kind of talked about it last week, but this has become a, a premier – G5 bowl game, uh, and, and you see that with, with the hype that it's generating online. ESPN has said this. Sports Illustrated has said this. Uh, and the fact that this is going to be on ABC 3.30 on Saturday, national television, network TV, uh, over the air, that's massive. Getting, getting an opportunity to show off the stadium, uh, uh, the area, and then hopefully even have a few pictures of the Schmidt Complex right next door that's going to help a lot with recruiting. Um, and, and we're going to see what happens in the game itself. Like we mentioned, it, it, two very high-powered offenses. Um, listen, SMU's offense worries me uh, a lot. Uh, they, they are going to be without their number two receiver, it looks like. Uh, we're going to be talking to Billy and Buddy from 24-7 SMU in a second. Uh, he's going to have some inside information on that. Uh, but, I mean, so SMU is a really good team. They only have two losses uh, this year. One was a nationally televised game, a uh, top 25 matchup uh, between Memphis. Remember, college game day was there in Memphis for that game. Unbelievable. Highly entertaining. Uh, and they, they lost to Navy, who, you know, just won the Commanders-in-Chief uh, trophy for the first time in a while. Uh, the Navy, Navy always gives it team's fits and we know that firsthand from Lane Kiffin's very first game uh so 
it will definitely be a challenge. Uh, they beat TCU when TCU is ranked by three on the road, even though, you know, it's just down the road in Fort Worth for them. Uh, so it's, it's definitely a, a big challenge for us. Uh, I expect a lot of points. Uh, what are you expecting from this one, Shane? Um, I, I know a lot of people are saying it's high scoring, but I tend to think FAU's defense is going to show out a bit. My biggest concern going into this game, and, you know, Harrison Bryant did in a radio interview this week where he said he was still kind of up in the air, whether he's going to play. And, you know, there's, there's a kind of a lot of sediment out there of don't play. you got a career to play. You know, but Harrison Bryant has been like uh, just class A FAU owl for the last four years. And, you know, maybe he decides to just kind of go out one more time and play. But, you know, kind of reading between the lines, you get the feeling that, you know, he's let's just prepare to go make millions of dollars. Um, and what does he have to gain? Yeah. And, and come back and, you know, he can go throw his name on uh, – one of the classrooms or <laughs> in the Schmidt center. But, um, you know, it's, we'll see their passing offense is good. FAU's D we've talked about this podcast before, and I'm going to let you, FAU's defense is designed to challenge quarterbacks and receivers to beat them. They say, if you can make the throws and your guys can out athlete us, we'll, you could beat us. We're all right. Now in, Pretty much every game in Conference USA, we have better corners. We have the better athletes. We're going to win those battles. Even if in a first half versus Western Kentucky, they might get a couple lucky shots. Over the course of time, we're going to, we're going to pick you off. We're going to make more plays than you do. SMU can match us, okay, in that element. So I'm curious to see, you know, how that kind of plays out FAU defensively. That, you know, SMU is going to say, okay, you're going to play lots of man. You have great corners. We have great receivers and a great quarterback. Shane Rochelle, former Texas quarterback. He was good there. He's been amazing this year. Prochet, the receiver, has 108 catches. I mean, I kind of want to see James Pierre not leave his side the whole game. Uh, you know, uh, uh, like he goes to the bathroom. You know, one of those types. Of, James Pierre, go get that guy. Uh, don't let right. him throw um, and, and we know that he's capable of doing that. He's, we've mentioned it before. He's one of the best Chuck down corners uh in all of the g5 and all of the yeah. state of florida and so. we're, we're we're gonna have to get pressure kias leroy we're gonna have to get some turnovers and just again uh you know their second smu's defense isn't that great they've struggled uh, a little bit but you know fe's passing offense has not been great the last few weeks if harrison bryant's not there you know we talked about it in, uh, against southern miss Woody had eight completions, two were behind the line of scrimmage, and three were to Harrison Bryant. So, you know, it's Jonathan Mitchell, who's just been quiet this last half of the year, is really going to have to step up. Uh, and, you know, D'Angelo Antoine. Uh, but I also – I just think the ultimate thing for FAU is can we just run the ball down their throat? You know, if BJ, BJ Emmons and Malcolm Davidson need to combine for 300 yards for us to win this game, they just need to just gash them six, seven, eight yards of carry. Yeah. That's what needs to happen for us to win this game. Uh, or else I think right now SMU might be one kind of score ahead of us than what our offense can produce. So, you know, bowl games are crazy. I think, you know, when you have an interim head coach, they I'm not worried about FU not playing hard for Coach Spencer. But, man, there's always trick plays. Uh, it's kind of just – there's kind of a backyard football element. 
to these games. So I expect yeah. to, I expect to see I mean, if Charlie West Jr. has anything in the playbook, fun, it's probably going to get used Saturday. So uh, I expect a fun game and a great atmosphere, you know. Uh, so, you know, we'll see kind of how it all plays out. It will be backyard football with two Texas gunslingers at quarterback. Uh, it's, I would argue, unfortunately, uh, the one thing that Texas football has over Florida football is the quality of, of quarterback, especially when it comes to throwing downfield. Uh, Shane uh, Buccelli is a great quarterback, like you mentioned, uh, came from University of Texas beforehand. Uh, <laughs> dude's a joke. Uh, Proche, James Proche, the receiver, he's by far their, their number one receiver, their star. Uh, I, I think that the main battle of this game is going to be their passing game against our passing defense. They're going to throw a lot. We're going to see a lot of opportunities for our number one uh, takeaway via interception defense. Uh, they're going to have a lot of opportunities to get more picks and pad those stats, especially which is going to be needed, especially with Alabama. Uh, oh, Alabama is not in the playoffs. I was going to say potentially playing two games. Just kidding. Uh, so, it would be nice to pad those stats. I could help with recruiting long-term as well, becoming DBU, becoming the official no-fly zone. Uh, so it, I know you're talking about maybe more of a defensive battle than people are expecting, but I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure if I see it. I will agree with you that I do think that SMU probably has a one-score advantage. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens on Saturday. No matter what, hopefully it's, it's a fun, fun game. This is – our second bowl game in a decade, Al fans. And yeah, I, I, the spoiledness we, of FAU fans the last yeah. week is just yeah, – I understand the whole travel thing. But, man, 10 win, SMU is a storied program. I know uh, Billy Embody will say their fans are pumped, you know, to kind of go over there, uh, come over here, come to Florida. Like, let's just – this is a football game. Let's just enjoy this football game in a vacuum. You have a lot of really good football players on a field at once. You know, um, and any win we can get versus the American Conference is good. You know, you guys always talk about, and, I, you know, I'm very pushed back on conference alignment, but that stuff carries. You go out there, win by a couple touchdowns, you know, it, that carries a little bit. So and, and just, it helps if you show up, too, guys. I mean, we, we mentioned this earlier. If you guys want to, to be in that conversation, if, and I mean if, the American does expand again, uh, then you have to show up against their teams. If your biggest complaint is, oh, well, teams aren't going to show up against Southern Mississippi and Middle Tennessee, we'll improve that they're going to show up against American athletic competition. This is your opportunity, guys. All right, guys. Uh, we have a special guest today. We have Billy Embody of 247 Sports. Uh, we really appreciate him coming on today as we're kind of in the middle of signing day. He covers SMU, who has had a big day on the trail, and LSU. So you could, you could just imagine – um, probably hasn't slept in two or three days. He's come on to actually around all the uh, signing day craziness. There is a bowl game to be played between two 10 win teams this week. Um, and what's probably one of the better G5 bowl games overall and could be one of the more entertaining bowl games uh, of, the, uh, you know, of the season. Um, FEU fans, we know we've had our kind of ups and downs about being excited about this with everything going on around the game. Uh, Billy, where do um, SMU fans stand with this game? 
Oh, I think a lot of people are excited uh, to, to get down to South Florida and, and play, like you said, a 10-win team. I mean, it's 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 been a, a year since uh, since SMU has been in a bowl game, and now they're they're going to get to play a team team like FAU, which is good. I mean, I think some were kind of hoping maybe for more of a Power Five matchup, but hey, when you when you lose, you know, two of your last four, and and sometimes with the conference, that's how it goes. So, um, you know, but look, uh, SMU's trying to finish this thing off and, and get to its first 11, one of the first, uh, one of the only, excuse me, 11 win seasons in program history. Uh, what is, what's kind of being said amongst the uh, SMU fans kind of about FAU? What's kind of the feeling? Is there a confidence? Is there a worry? I mean, I, I kind of see the teams as very similar. Uh, I think, you know, on the, the off FAU's defense versus SMU's offense is kind of the matchup of the day. What's what's being said on um, out there in Texas? I think a lot of people are are you know I think um, you're worried. I mean this is a this is an FAU team that scores a ton of points just like just like SMU does and and uh, a team that that can certainly go in there and, and beat SMU. So everyone I think is is really just focused on the game at this point. It, it's such a good matchup and. Um, and, and, and it's something that, that SMU fans are really going to have to, going to have to, you know, I think kind of not look at it as like SMU versus FAU uh, looking at, it, you know, maybe a lesser conference, but a game where it's just two really good football teams going after it. Well, Billy, you mentioned that, that very explosive offense that the ponies have over there in Dallas. Uh, what is the biggest threat that the FAU defense uh, should be worried about? Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, it's just really, it's all over. I mean, they're they're a team that can run the ball. Xavier Jones is a thousand yard running back. They've got a really good offensive line, and then it, it's James Prochet. I think it starts with him at receiver. Him and Shane Bouchelle, the quarterback, have a really really good relationship, and 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 have been really productive this year. And with Reggie Robertson probably been nicked up a little bit right now, uh, probably not going to play. Still recovering that from that foot injury. That's kind of the the main connection that FAU you know, fans are going to have to watch because they are really, really good. And, and sometimes they can go off for 200 yards uh, just between the two of them. So Robertson is the number two wide out while Prochet is, you know, without a doubt, the number one, he's really impressive. Uh, do you really think we're not going to see uh, Robertson at all come Saturday? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Just with, he's still recovering and, and it's, it's such a tough injury to recover from that. I, I just can't see him ended up, ending up playing out there. Uh, the, the what concerns we have seen, it's almost kind of, you know, SMU kind of feels like those uh, Midwest Big 12 teams is they do give up a lot of points. I believe their passing defense is definitely in the bottom quarter of college football and their run defense is, is kind of in the middle, to, you know, going towards the bottom half of college football is that just a product of some of the offenses they played or is this defense kind of just has its holes and struggled all year? I think it's a little bit of both. Something changed with SMU's defense since the, since the game against Houston where they kind of got lit up. They were playing really well. They held TCU to a low number, fairly low number, and they, they, they held a lot of high-scoring offenses to, to low numbers and really played dominant football, forced turnovers, did all that stuff uh, out there. And, and – um, you know, it just it just ended up, you know, just kind of falling apart in a way late in the game. They were able to, uh, they were able to, uh, you know, really put together a uh, a good finish against against Tulane, a good Tulane team. But other than that, they kind of got 
lit up in a way. So it's, it's been a weird season um, for, for SMU's defense, especially in the back half, but they are really, I think they've got a ton of depth, but yeah, it's, it's just kind of been, like I said, just kind of weird. Uh, Tulane, the a team that can actually beat FIU, something that a little institution in Coral Gables can't be saying. They've talked about the, the back seven. Do you, do you think that the FIU passing game, which hasn't been that great, especially if Harrison Bryant isn't going to be playing, uh, do you still think that that is uh, a place where FAU can have success? Yeah, I, I think so. I, 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 Chris Robeson's a really good quarterback. I, I've actually covered Chris since he's in high school in Mesquite Horn, and, and I think he's somebody that you know can just kind of make that thing go, and, and SMU is, is going to have to come play their best football because I think it's a team that's probably a little ticked off and, and certainly – somebody that uh, can, can make them can make the pay when, if, if they're not playing sound assignment football. Is, you brought up um, kind of covering Chris since he's come out in the area, and there's been a little media about it here, almost kind of a quasi-homecoming uh, for Chris playing a school that's obviously in the area. Has there been kind of uh, a lot of talk of it on the SMU side? Obviously, probably a lot – SMU fans probably – are very familiar with him, you know, covering and watching high school football like they do in Texas from his days. I mean, is there a ton of familiarity with him amongst that fan base? Yeah, there is. That's when you kind of dabbled in recruiting Chris, or especially early on uh, before he ended up at Oklahoma. And, and, and even when he transferred, the old staff tried to try to get him on board and things like that. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's, it was definitely kind of one of those things where when, when fans start to see the matchup and, and all of that, they, uh, they certainly uh, remember Chris and, and, and just kind of go back and, and, you know, look at what he's done through his career for sure. All right. Well, um, you're, you're making the uh, trip over to the game, right? You told us before we started recording here that you're going to just be in for a day to enjoy the weather. Yes, that's the plan. That's the plan. I'm over visiting, visiting the folks for, uh, for Christmas and, and the holidays and all of that. And so uh, looking forward to getting over to, to Boca and, and, and checking it out and, and, Getting to see a good bowl game to kind of cap a crazy week of uh, signing signings and all of that. Yeah, well, uh, we'll we'll let you go, Jack. Did you have another question, real quick? No, I, I was I was just gonna you know thank Billy for for coming on because he is busy um, with the twenty four seven and today being signing day. Remember, he, he works for twenty four seven SMU and he covers LSU. So, well, real quick, Billy, what do you think of LSU's chances in the uh, playoffs this year? I think they've got a pretty good chance. They actually just had a tough injury come down. Clyde Edwards-Zeeler, their star running back, uh, hurt his hamstring in practice on Tuesday. So it's going to be interesting to see how they adapt. I think the challenge will be the national championship game more than anything. I just think uh, they'll be able to overpower Oklahoma in the end. But, uh, yeah, I, I really like their chances. They're, they're a really sound football team that's playing really well together right now. I mean, their last – not only do they have the record-setting offense, but – their defense in the last three games has allowed 37 points and I think 14 of those kind of came in garbage time against Arkansas. So they're playing their best football at the right time of year. They can kind of get things together and, and uh, put it all together. I think they've got a chance to certainly win a national championship. Any prediction for the uh, bowl game on Saturday, bud? Oh, Oh yeah. I would say, I would say something like probably I'd say 41, 31 SMU. I think, I think somehow they, they figure it out. We'll see kind of where FAU's at. Sometimes I was, uh, when I was at, I went, I went to SMU, I was on a bowl team that had to play in its backyard and it, it, it comes with all sorts of distractions. And, and when you lose a coach, sometimes it, it makes it even worse, but sometimes 
you never know. These guys can come together and, and really try to, you know, play ticked off and, and, and win a football game. And, you know, I think a lot of people kind of realized Lane Kiffin was out on his way out. And I think uh, the way FAU played against UAB in the, in the championship game is something that, you know, shouldn't be slept on. I mean, that, that takes a lot of mental toughness to go out there and, and play the way they did uh, with your coach on the way out. So uh, I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair, but um, I do think SMU ends up coming out on top. The, I, I've actually had the opposite. I think the under is to play this game. This game. I just Ooh. think – yeah, I, I think it's the play. FAU's defense, FA, SMU's, FAU's defense is good enough to stop SMU, and FAU's offense struggles a bit without maybe one of its best pass catchers, and they've kind of struggled in the passing game the last few weeks. So – you know, anyone who's, uh, you know, betting just for fun. <laughs> well, you got, Billy, you got a lot of different ways to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny you mentioned 41-31 because the, uh, the over-under is 72. So, I mean, that's – did, did, did mean, you even know yeah. that? That was – because that, that's really no well idea. done. <laughs> thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks wow. for coming on, bud. Uh, real quick, any, any uh, place where FAU fans can find you on Twitter or any place like that? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Billy Embody, E-M-B-O-D-Y, and, and uh, we, our site is PonyStampede.com on the 24-7 Sports Network. Again. Uh, we, we'll let you – Billy, uh, thanks again. Uh, we'll let you go. We'll get back to it. Thanks, guys. All right, perfect. So uh, thanks again for Billy for coming on to Inside the Borough. It's, it's been a really fun and busy week. Can't forget, there's a basketball game against University of Tampa uh, Thursday night. Basketball team has won four out of the last five. They're looking pretty good. Make sure you stick with the Owls Nest to see what's going on with that. Uh, stick with the Owls Nest to hear what Frank Gore Jr. Uh, decision will be. And, of course, join the conversation uh, at FUOwlsNest.com or on our Twitter account with, with this big bowl game coming up. So, uh, for Shane and myself, uh, it's been a pleasure. Let's go ahead and get another trophy this Saturday on national television uh, and go Owls.